Hey, um, I see. I knew I was in see, my head. I was like, "This it. feels gay to me." Let it, me do and it. And it was. You're so right. <laughs> um, all art is gay. Hold your head up where we are. We got a whole world to win. In honor of our fallen fighters and future generations, it might not be easy. No, but may the tears start to flow. Get up, look in the mirror, and say, "I'm gonna be me." Hello, everybody. Welcome to, I believe this is day three. Let me check my notes real quick that this is coming out on day three of Pride Week. Day three. Yes, I was right. Yay, instincts. Day three of Pride Week. Uh, we are going strong. We are in the thick of it. And here we are today. I am here with our artist that we have commissioned this year for our Pride Week album art. I don't know what we're calling it. Probably that. Uh <laughs> Last year, we uh, searched and commissioned our Pride Week anthem from Liz Suey, and we featured her in our artist spotlight. So this year, did I say last week or did I say last year? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think I said last week. Last <laughs> week we did that. So last, last year week. we did that. Um, so this year, we we did the same thing, and we did it with our album art for Pride Week with my friend, Michaela Simon. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Kyle. Michaela, would you do me a favor and introduce yourself to me, even though I know you? So as if I've never met you before. So give me your name. Give me your pronouns. Tell me something about yourself. Well, who are you? What do you do? If you care for sharing your identity within the LGBTQ plus community, feel free to do that. Amazing. So my name is Michaela, which we have already established and is great. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I identify as bi. Um, as well as, there's so many things that are so interesting about me. How do I choose just one? Um, I'll pick You're that. You're an artist. I am an artist. That's interesting. That's why I'm here. Uh, I am. I'm a visual artist. Um, I do primarily digital art uh, right now, but I also love watercolor and acrylic and lots and lots of like ink and pencil. I'll pretty much just anything that can put marks on a page I'll mess around with. But uh, the album art that you guys had me do for this week was a digital art piece. Um, So I'm a big fan of that. And I am a big fan of dogs. That's my fun fact. I love dogs. Big fan of dogs. Like all dogs. Any dog. I've never met a dog that I didn't love. So that's where we'll, yeah. I thought you had a love-hate relationship with your brother's dog. We're getting (laughs) along really well right now. So (laughs) if if this was like tomorrow, it could totally change. But right now, I love her. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. So for the listeners, um, Sam is usually the person to do these interviews. Uh, They do wonderful work with our artist spotlight after every episode, sometimes when they're not not doing it. (laughs) Sometimes they're just like, hey, y'all, no artist spotlight this week. We're like, okay, that's that's cool. But um, they do great work with that. And they did great work with uh, Liz Suey's uh, interview last year, but this year I am doing it because Michaela and I uh, have known each other for too long. 
maybe 10 years now probably 10 10 feels right before high school so 10 feels right we round up yeah um so i'm here to talk to michaela because i don't know anything about her and i should interview her and ask her questions about herself because that seems logical yeah so we are talking about primarily your art um so you're a visual artist, and it's kind of hard to talk about art without looking at it. Whereas when we talk to Liz Sui, talking about music is easy when you just listen to it. And this is a podcast, and you listen to it. Um, so can you quick plug your uh, Instagram that you do art on so that people can look at it if they want to while listening to this? I absolutely can. So my Instagram is at doodle all day. So the word doodle, the word all, and then the word day with two Ys at the end. Beautiful. Thank you listeners it might be pertinent to look that up and follow along later on when i reference some artwork because i'm going to talk to michaela and ask her what the heck was going on when you did this that's like ooh, this is going to be so interesting nobody ever asks me really real questions about anything i'm doing they're just like ooh, this is fun thanks so that'll yeah. be fun um what how did you get into art what started you with art blah 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 so my mom, who you've never met, uh, is an art teacher. Who? I know. I know. Crazy. So she's an art teacher. She went to art school uh, in the 80s. So I'm sure that was pretty crazy. I kind of wish I was there. Um, Must so be fun. She, I know, right? I don't know. 81 to 85. There's probably some fun stuff going on in art school <laughs> in rural Pennsylvania in those years. <laughs> um, but so she went to art school. She was a sign painter. Um, and then she became a kindergarten through eighth grade art teacher um and she's been doing that since before i was born so i grew up in a very art friendly and encouraging home um we used to do like full days called stamping days where my mom would get out all of her rubber stamps and like cover the whole table and we would just it was the one time where we were allowed to get ink like all over everything so she would cover the table probably with like newspaper or something and i would have rubber stamp ink all over my hands all over my clothes and my dad would like come home at the end of the day and we'd be like it was a stampin day we got stampin hands so that was um I I, like very distinctly remember stamping days so that was definitely where it started was just always being encouraged to make things um and we always because my mom was an art teacher we had things in the house we had paint and we had crayons and we had colored pencils and there was never a shortage of supplies um and then I'm, i grew I'm up i'm laughing primarily because i'm just picturing little michaela and the highlight of your entire childhood is stamps oh my gosh yeah it was <laughs> it's like what do you remember from growing up stamps stampin hands <laughs> that's what i remember um i should my mom should have gotten me to be like an ad campaign for one of those rubber stamp companies because i would have been so cute with my like long blonde braids and my giant circle glasses like holding up these huge rubber stamps that were as big as my head that would have been so fun yeah (laughs) um so that's like kind of where my love of creating started was definitely with my mom um and then i grew up and i was always drawing and i would draw like on the back of my papers in school and in the margins and i would hand tests in and they would have things drawn all over them because what else do you do when you finish early um see when when i was a kid and i finished like math tests early i would flip it over and on the back i would like add up all of the answers from the math test to make (laughs) like my final answer quote unquote (laughs) So I didn't draw 
I just did more math. <laughs> is that your final answer? That's really funny. I wonder what that says about your like psyche as a child. I feel like it says something. I think it's the early manif- manifestation of my ADHD. <laughs> yeah, or or just yeah, probably just like the hyper focus part. Like yep. you were so excited about the hyper numbers. Fixation. Yeah, that's wild. I never knew that about. Look, we're learning things. We're learning things. It takes ten that. plus years to learn new things. Yeah, to learn that you were really into math as a little child, or maybe not. Maybe you hated it and you were just trying to make it go by as fast as possible. So the art thing. You started off very early with art because of your mother. I know you personally because of theater. Yes. Where where did art diverge into theater and where did art theater diverge back into art and all that good stuff? Because you've had quite a journey between the two. I have. So I think that probably the first time that the two things kind of... I would, I'll say the two things kissed because that's like a big thing in, in, in a bachelor arts program. It's like, oh, where did these, where do these ideas kiss? Um, and for pride, we'll talk about where these ideas kiss. So I would yeah, say, make it gay. <laughs> yeah, make art gay all the time. Um, I would say that probably has to do with like props design and set design. Um, Kyle knows already, but we grew up in a community theater group together uh, and in that kind of setting where everybody is doing everything everybody is helping with set construction and, and painting and things like that it's it's kind of an all hands on deck kind of thing and so I was getting to paint uh, bricks on pieces of plywood to make them look like houses and I was getting to create uh, treasure chests to go in Ariel's grotto and things like that depending on what shows we were working on and so finding ways to kind of use that part of my creativity in shows um, on the community theater stage and then when I went to college I studied theater arts um, in a, a bachelor's program which in the very similar way to community theater was everybody doing everything and yep. and getting a chance to not only work on shows in the capacity that you kind of expected to going into college. So if you went in as an actor or director, but you also were taking design classes and you were asked to props design or design a poster for a show here or there. That's probably where my digital art uh, love kind of evolved was uh, getting asked to design posters for dance shows or t-shirt designs for my acapella group I was in in college, things like that. Um, I started doing designs like that on uh, Microsoft Paint. I didn't have any kind of cool programmer. I didn't have any layers. I literally was just drawing on top of everything I'd already done. So if I messed up, that was it. It was done. Um, I've seen people do some amazing things with Microsoft Paint, though. They absolutely can. And I I think that if you look back at the work I was doing, if you can even call it work, the things I was doing on Paint, um, they're they're pretty good for not having layers and not having any kind of tools except for the regular, whatever the pencil tool is on that. Um, But it's it's nice to see, like, where I have grown from that kind of thing. Yeah. because I now have a program that I can, you know, do more um, and kind of explore my style without being worried that I put one stray line and the whole piece is ruined kind of thing. So your style, what would you call your style if you have a style? Do you have a style? That is... Are you in a, style? I am so in style. I'm, I'm, I'm so online. Um, I we would love say, <laughs> I would say that my style is different uh, depending on medium, um, I 
I started doing art commissions uh, probably about sophomore year of college, and I was doing almost exclusively watercolor. Um, and I would do watercolor and like pen and ink, kind of. If somebody gave me text that they liked, I would I would paint a a pretty abstract background, and I would write the text over it in kind of stylized um, font. Um, I've always been really into typography. I think that like signs on out front of buildings are really cool i always used to take pictures of them when i was a kid uh like in we're new gonna york talk about some typography in a little bit i <laughs> see i don't even have your notes in front of me and it's like i do um but i think that that style is still is still has kind of carried over into digital art um mm-hmm. but over the past year or so since i started kind of delving more into digital art i've seen a shift in not just my style but my process when it comes to creating um i actually i think it started in the the i don't want to say spring but the spring semester of my senior year of college which was a year mm-hmm. ago um and i took a painting class it was my first art class in college i just never had the time or the schedule of opportunity to take one and I was taking a painting class with a man who was he is probably 108 years old um he is almost completely deaf because in his 20s he went to every rock show known to man and he stood right up in the front and the speakers blew his hearing out and he's an incredible painter he's just this really old he lived in the midwest and painted a lot of like landscapes in Arizona like that was his life um and because the class was only met twice a week and was only for two hours each of the times you had like a four-hour period to complete each of your pieces or you had to come in and like work on your own time and I didn't have time to do that because I was in rehearsals and I worked and I was in acapella and so I got much more used to trusting myself right off the bat um and I think that that has manifested itself in the style that I now have seen consistently kind of happen in my pieces, which is that I have an idea and I don't ruminate over it for hours or days or weeks or months. I start working right away. Um, And I think that that has allowed my work to kind of have a spontaneity about it. I don't know. It feels weird to talk about your own work um, and your style without sounding like, oh, my process and the things that I create. But um, I guess if you don't talk about your own work, then no one's going to. So you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, I would say whimsy and spontaneity. Those are the, those are the feelings that I try to yeah. convey. I really see because we, um, when we were talking about who we should commission for what this year, because we knew we wanted to do uh, something similar to last year, we got the anthem done. Um, we were looking at things and talking about things because we really want to pull we really wanted to pull from our already existing database of artist spot artist spotlights that we had because we have over 50 artist spotlights in our uh database wow. so we were i was going through them and i was like trying to find things we could what we could do and i was like we don't really want we didn't want to like do a new song because we just got this one we didn't use it that much we have about some art uh and i i didn't want to push you because i was like do i push my best friend because that seems weird <laughs> Then I was like looking at your your Instagram and I was like, but her art is very much on brand for our stuff. Yeah. Because the cute and the whimsy comes across and you dive into like the political nature that we are because we are inherently political 
while also treading the cute and whimsy. Um, so speaking of political nature um, and early work and all this stuff, I'm going to send you three artworks that I pulled <laughs> from your Instagram. Oh, I'm um, so nervous. Gonna, let's talk about these. Um, so okay. these came from, I assume, a series that you did? Um, yes, they did. So so uh let's i'm gonna go through and let's describe them to the audience um so if you are following along on doodle all day on instagram um if you go to the early days uh back in like february of 2019 this is like the beginning of your instagram i found these um there's a series of uh works that have the female body written all over and there's one with a sunrise and some uh various triangles uh there's one that is like a mannequin figure in various poses and then there's one of uh uterus that we are looking at that says can't touch this so do you want to talk about these sure so these actually it's funny that i mentioned the the poster design so these came from i was asked by the director of dance at my university to design a poster for the spring dance show uh that was in the spring of 2019, um, that I was actually a dancer in, but I had also gotten asked to do this. And the, the way that dance shows work at my university was that, um, every year was given, there was a theme that was announced and then all of the choreographers would choose and, and choreograph their pieces around that theme. So Mm -hmm. the theme was the female body, which I thought sparked some really interesting conversations on our campus. Um, the number of cis men that auditioned for the dance show was very low, lower than previous years, um, when that was not at all, there was no stipulation that you had to be female identifying um, or cis female to audition, but there was a very small group of cis men that auditioned. Um But the ones that did audition and did participate, I thought, were used and choreographed in a way that was very effective. Um, And then we also talked a lot about what is a female body um, in in comparison, in relation, in like diametrically opposed to a women's body, um, Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not the same. Um, And so some of the pieces were very very specific to the choreographer's experience being a woman being a female person and how being a cis woman being a cis woman and how that um how their bodies had been policed by society by uh political decisions things like that um by media um there were people who used text from um different advertisements and things like that and how cis women's bodies are talked about and then there were people who talked about queerness and being a female um and both cis and and trans and non-binary and and female identifying and femme and things like that um and so I wanted, what I wanted to do with the poster design was kind of find a way to touch on these ideas without it, because there were 12, 13 pieces that were all being a part of this one show, it's hard to, to create something that kind of encompasses all of them without it feeling like there are things left out. Um, you don't yeah. want one person's piece to seem like it's being really high. I didn't want the person's piece on queerness to seem like it was the focus of the show when the pieces on domestic abuse and violence are just as important and, and just as, as revel- relevant and, and prevalent in the show. So I went with a uh, a pretty abstract approach for some of the um, pieces, which you can see in the the 
the sunrise and the triangles. Um, That's also my favorite one. It reminds me of like a camp, like going to like summer camp <laughs> in the 80s, looking at yeah. your mother. It's, just, it's so like a funny. summer camp poster. Yeah. But the and, female body camp. But the female body camp. I want to go to that <laughs> Let's camp. Go to that camp. sounds a fun yeah. camp. Um, but I, I'll for me, home. yeah, honestly, everyone's welcome to the female body camp. I'll, I'll make t shirts and we can all just like, it could be a virtual <laughs> camp. Um, but I feel, that, and I've always felt this way, um, but I think much more in the last year or so, that triangles have a very feminine energy. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know how much more I can say about that without like really diving into like my own psyche and um, like the things that I am drawn to energy wise in the world. But I feel like triangles, um, and just especially equilateral triangles, which some of them on here are and some of them aren't, but um, they just feel to me like they have this kind of feminine mystique, um, this this feeling. Of, of beauty and balance um, and just these sharp lines that I think are are just absolutely beautiful. And so there were a lot of designs that included triangles in the different poster designs that I proposed. So that was kind of where I was going with that one. Um, and then... I want your next pickup line to be like, hey, you look like a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there aren't enough people who agree with me about the triangle thing that that would come across as a compliment. I mean, I see it from, like, a, like, the archetypal and, like, the structural um, views of, like, what the ideal, quote-unquote, female, cis female body is. Yeah. Is being very triangular from, like, the, like, waist being small to the shoulders being broad and the hips being broad. So, I can see where the triangle comes in. Yeah, and even if you think about the way that triangles are balanced, um, if you if you were to put two triangles tip to tip on top of each other, kind of again f- filling out that archetypal like body type, the mm-hmm. the centers they bear all the weight. Like that tiny point at the top is is bearing the weight in the way that like your your center your center of gravity is right in kind of that central area in your body i don't know there's just something very um i don't know beautiful about that that i like so you know i'll try that i'll try that pickup line and see how it goes (laughs) i'll uh i'll give you an update after um and then for the the mannequin um which the mannequins are in different poses in different versions of this poster um Mm -hmm. but that was trying to touch more on the the taking of the female body as an object um rather than uh some an object that is for other people to own and to manipulate and to put their ideas onto because a mannequin that that's their whole thing is you put clothes on them you use a dress form to build to build clothing that's going to then go on something else um you change the poses of the mannequin depending on the the look and the style that you want um so that was where that idea kind of came from was the pieces that talked more about bodies and who they belong to or who they are controlled by um I was in a piece that uh, it was called For Whom that was actually choreographed by one of my good friends and my roommate. Um, and that piece was about bodies and the way that they are used in media, in, in trying to pit people against each other, um, and less about how we use them for ourselves. Um, so I thought that that was a really, uh, not, I want to say astute, um, 
observation on my part that there were a bunch of pieces that talked about that. But I think it's a conversation that's really um, important right now. Um, Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm really glad that like these, because I was looking at these, the series, and I was like, there's something that I'm not 100% understanding here. I know she thought about this in a way that I'm not seeing right now. <laughs> so let's talk about these. Like the third one in this series, like the can't touch this, that one's pretty self-explanatory yes. and very in your face. And that one but, actually was, was a separate, that, that one is a separate series that just happened to okay. kind of be happening at the same time. But this was when all Literally of back the, to back. yeah, it, and that's kind of, that's what happens though, is, is art you know, art reflects life and they kind of always come together because this was right when um, a lot of the states in the South were changing their, or attempting to, and some of them succeeding on changing their laws around abortion. Um, Mm. And obviously being a young person who has lived mostly in a time where the fight for pro-choice has been pretty up and coming and, and, and very in the news and also something that we've been allowed to talk about much more than previous generations. Uh, It was really hard um, to be in a university setting where most of the people around me um, felt very similar to the way I did, which was that my body, my choice, it's, it's, that's, yeah. um, And then to have a lot of old cis white men in the South telling people exactly what and what they could and couldn't do with their bodies um so i just created a couple of pieces based on that um just to you know express my (laughs) deep feelings in a way that was a little bit more palatable to people who didn't already agree with me (laughs) yeah i feel i think you really you do really well with that because a lot of your stuff whether it is out outwardly whimsical or political whatever the the line is very much balanced no matter what because it isn't attacking anyone in particular or maybe it is but <laughs> it's it's like it's like hi don't please yeah. stop <laughs> this is my opinion and i want you to look at it but it's pretty right yeah exactly um i think that i'm sure as as a group of people, so the Prison Pals, as a group of people who are doing D&D and are exploring and, and expressing their queerness and and doing it in a family-friendly and, like, beautiful way, that you totally get the whole, like, mm-hmm. making things available to the masses in a way that they aren't always. Um, and I think that that's a big thing that I try to do with my work is make it accessible to groups of people coming from different places diff- because because everything's on the internet so it's all it can be yeah. anyone anywhere in the world um people who do and don't speak my language as their first language and people who do and don't have a lot of access to the kind of art that i'm making um and so i think the whimsy helps counteract the the feeling <laughs> um for other people i like um how both you and the prison pals as a whole we kind of challenge the notion of because our main focus is the all ages aspect Mm -hmm. um of our show and what we bring um and how our identities and our our views on things can be all ages appropriate so like just recently so this is coming out so this just comes out a week after our episode where uh, my character has their first on-screen kiss 
uh, with like so it's a same sex kiss. I we've had one before with another character who is uh, non-binary. Um, so like we've been, it's we like to challenge that. Like we are all ages, we are outwardly queer, but we are not. We are not uh, diluting anything that can't. Like we're not going to not restrict some things that like I. This might be a show that could be for children or adults or whatever, but. It's, because we're going for that audience, we're not going to take things out. So I like that your art is able to do that too. And like, we can say things like uterus on here. And it's like, that's all ages friendly because it's a body part yep. that half the population has. I was going to say, so, a lot of people on this planet have one. So, so <laughs> some people have more some, than one, even. Some people do. So. And like, some people might think that saying the word uterus isn't all ages friendly. But let me tell you, I can say the word elbow. You can. And kneecap. Kneecap. Those are body parts, too. They are. All right. So let's uh, let's move on from our feminist series and works because they are... We could talk about those all day because they're all great. And I love them. <laughs> um, you, so the thing I noticed when I was going through your Instagram and looking at all your art, you do a lot of, like, series yes. of works. <laughs> like, you did, like, this, like, this group of things for your show, and that was, like, a smaller collection but then you go on to like the bigger collections that are sometimes 30 works yes. long. So like they're the two that stood out to me the most. I didn't bring any like specifics up. But I wanted to ask you about like this working in these series in general. Um, the series with book covers and mm-hmm. the series with haikus. Yes. So can you talk about those and what, what you like about doing these series? Because you seem to. I can, absolutely. So this started, I did my first um, month, I, I, I call them like month-long challenges um, for myself. Uh, I started it in September of this past year. Um, I was just scrolling. Shake-tember. Yep, shake-tember. Uh, so I was scrolling through. I was, I was located in London um, for the second half of 2019. And I was looking through Instagram and I came across this organization that was doing a, a month-long drawing challenge. And and people have heard of these. Inktober is a huge one. It's very popular mm-hmm. kind of all over Absolutely. the world. Um, and so... Shaketember was one that was very local. It was a, a gallery in Bristol in the UK, um, and it popped up on my feed because of that. And so I just I decided that it would be a really good way for me to kind of start developing uh, a style as a digital artist because I was using my my new program and my new tablet kind of for the first time. Um, and so that's that's where that began. And then so that was Shaketember, and then Inktober happened, and I did all ink drawings for every day of October, and then. I got to November and I didn't want to stop because I had gotten so used to having something to hold myself accountable to create every day. I think that something that holds so many artists back is this feeling of everything I create has to be great um, and everything I create has to be noteworthy and for a purpose, uh, otherwise why bother creating it? And I come at it from completely the opposite direction, which is that if you are an artist, you are always creating. Um, and you don't have to be making things that will end up in museums or that people will buy. Um, The more work you produce, the more likely you are to create something that you're proud of because just by sheer magnitude of, of things you're making. So doing these challenges not only holds me accountable to create every day and then posting them on my pages is, is a good way of me feeling like if I don't do something today that I'm letting people down, even if nobody else cares besides me, yeah. um, it's still, it's, it's a self-accountability thing that 
has an exterior kind of impact. Um, I find that like sometimes with being a creator or creative person is sometimes having guidelines or rules to follow really helps like so things can be limitless and like you can create endlessly like we have we are an improv show basically with but like we we're not improving like 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 some improv shows where it's like you have random characters you are what you you are and i don't know where i'm going with this um i'm gonna try to salvage that (laughs) thought um you're an improv show and you like you just take anything nothing and you make something out of it whereas we have created characters that are very specific and we have rules to follow playing these characters and we are able to improv in that story in that way so we are able to create endlessly with these characters but with some jurisdiction absolutely my my favorite thing about creation is a line from a book that I had to read for an acting class um, my freshman year of college and I quote it all the time because I think it applies to every act of creation not just the theater and it's that limitation frees creativity um, which mm-hmm. seems counterintuitive because you would think yeah, yeah. if you limit yourself then you're not letting yourself reach your full potential but it's not about limiting your ability it's about limiting what you're allowed to work with or limiting the scope of what you're allowed to look at in this one moment um because obviously it's been said before that there's nothing scarier than the blank page and that's so true to like sit down and have no idea what you're going to make and and just be faced with this like innumerable choices because if you don't have an idea you're not going to just come up with something because you need an idea. Having a, a limitation, having a challenge where there's something set out for you to do every day or giving yourself a challenge and saying every day of the month of November, I'm going to write a haiku and I'm going to illustrate it. That limitation, that rule that you've set for yourself helps you then stick to that and and create. And, and because you're creating this thing every day, you'll have other ideas and you'll be able to make other things outside of that 30 minutes, 40 minutes that you spend on this one thing every day. Um, I love that. And, and the same with the book covers was the month of November was haikus. And then I got to December and I was like, well, I have to make something in December because I can't stop now. Um, and so I decided to illustrate a, a reimagined book cover every day of the month of December for something, a book that I had read that I loved, a book that I had read that really impacted me. They could be recent reads or books from my childhood. Um, and I had a lot of fun kind of revisiting texts that I almost hadn't realized how much they'd impacted me until I went back and was thinking about what books I wanted to illustrate next. Um, some of your, some of my favorite artwork that you've done comes from that, like those those book covers because yeah. <laughs> I love like the Gathering Blue one comes to yeah. mind. The um, for color girls who have who considered, considered suicide when the rainbow just isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one was great. I I didn't pull any up specifically because I didn't want to talk about the collection as a whole, but like those are some really great work. Thank and you. I was sitting there th- during that time thinking you were reading these books once a day, and I was like, what are you doing with your life? No, that would have been uh, amazing, but also impossible because I was doing other things with my life at the time. <laughs> I thought you were I thought you were reading a book like I read Gathering Blue all today, and then I made a <laughs> new book cover for it. I was like, you are a monster. 
Terminator artist. Oh my gosh. And some of the books that I was illustrating are like thousand page books. So that would have been really crazy. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. <laughs> why I thought that. But yeah, it was, a, um, it was a fun project and it was just something that I kind of, I, I decided that I was, I wanted to do something with uh, minimalism and, and like kind of a, a shift in, in, um, in design approach. And so doing something where an image already exists for that, because book covers are obviously reimagined and, and redesigned all the time with re-releases or when a when a movie version comes out of a book that will release a new book cover with an image from it mm-hmm. so like there's already content that exists so going in and having to create something like with obviously the the story in mind the theme in mind the time it was released in mind but also all of the versions of it that already exist and still trying to create something new was a lot of a lot of fun um and something different than the other challenges i had already done how are you so smart i um i honestly i'm gonna thank the my parents uh and reading so book back to the book covers (laughs) okay um i'm gonna send you another one this is um this is a piece from your shake timber uh series that uh you a lot of people bought as prints i believe i know my roommate has one yes what what is this one what's going on here this is uh three little birds yeah so i don't know are you familiar with the song by corinne bailey ray put your records on do you want to sing it for me sure it's the way that it starts out is that was the inspiration for this and it goes three little birds sat on my window and they told me i don't need to worry and it's like just this it's this jazzy i it was a song that came up as like i don't know if you remember i don't know if they still do it because i don't uh have an ipod anymore but like in 2009 when i had my first ipod nano and itunes would have like a featured artist in different um uh, like different genres mm-hmm. at the beginning of the new year or at the end of the previous year and corinne bailey ray was like their jazz r&b artist for that whatever time i was looking at it um and that song i bought and put on my ipod in i don't know like i said probably 2009 probably earlier and i just fell in love with it um and then a couple years later we did that song in my acapella group it was uh, someone's senior solo that they got to do um and I love that song, um, love Corinne Bailey Ray, she's amazing, and I was really into single line drawings at this point, which- You, you, aren't you still really into single line drawings? I still am, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> you have a tattoo of one, of yourself. I do. Well, it's, it's a self-portrait, but not in a, it's, that sound, when you say it like that, it sounds really, like, self-important, but there's I, more to it I love that. the one of your mom, the, your mom's my favorite. Oh, yeah, it, but doesn't it look just like her? um so i love single line drawings i think that the the movement and the 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 way that you can capture something so specific in a single line is just really incredible and i follow lots of single line artists on on instagram and um different art platforms i've always been fascinated with their work um it seems to be like like the like literal interpretation of the limitation yes creativity exactly if you are only given one line what can you create and the answer mm-hmm. is so much because you just you get you get more creative because you're only given that one line. Um, yeah. And so this three little birds was 
I I wanted to draw three little birds. I wanted to do it with one line. And then I was like, well, what if I give myself less time and, and less of a line to work with? And so it becomes a little bit less specific, a little bit less defined. And then I do that again. And now they're becoming kind of these blob amorphous shape things and now they're just circles maybe you're further away maybe you can't see the detail as closely and then it becomes just a line um because at the end what is art but just lines that's really all that it is um and then yeah and so I put them all together kind of stacked them all on top of each other um to see that progression and it has been so well received um probably the the most one of the the pieces I've sold the most prints of especially from this series um which Mm -hmm. when I made it I it it's one of those things that because single line is 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 obviously one line and it's so quick this piece probably took me like 20 minutes 30 minutes tops don't tell people that I know oh oh, wait no cut this part part out It's your magnum opus. You spent years on this one That's piece. True. You had to think of these lines. That's true. I, I, I dreamt. They came to me in a dream. <laughs> they came to your window. Yes, they knocked. They told me I don't need to worry. <laughs> Good. Okay, so next thing. We brought it up briefly. You do a lot of self-portraits. Yeah. The one I'm most interested in and I want to talk about is this one I'm sending to you called Robo Girl. Oh, yeah. Also from Shake Timber. Um, but in general, like... You, I feel like almost every once, like every once in a while, like once a month, you do a shelf portrait, and I see them constantly coming from you. You have one tattooed on your body for I crying do. out loud. <laughs> like what's going, what's going on with self portraits, Michaela? Um, so I for Robo Girl specifically, um, it's funny because so, it's funny that you picked this one because this photo that I used as a reference for Robo Girl, um, I actually took. <laughs> as I was um, taking a photo that I was going to share with uh, what ended up being a coming out post on By Visibility Day last year. Hey, um, I see, I knew. I was in see, my head. I was like, this it. feels gay to me. Let it, me do and it. And it was. You're so right. <laughs> um, all art is gay. Uh, but I I used I used this image because I, f- I felt... Um, this was in... So this was in September of last year. Um, and there's... There's something about technology and human nature that are becoming very uh, synonymous. Um, and and as technology becomes more intuitive, as people kind of are growing up in this age of technology, as you and I are, um, it doesn't mm-hmm. take us very long to kind of reacquaint ourselves or or learn um new things like we we're very adaptive we're very adaptive and we have had to be because so much like i remember when my parents got their first cell phones when i was in like kindergarten and they were like two inches tall and flip phones and now my parents have smartphones like that that change has happened very rapidly in our childhood but i think that the fact that like AR and VR have kind of come to the forefront as we've been growing up. Like in the generation before us, the the concept of being able to have a, a VR headset to play video games in your own house, that mm-hmm. to, the concept of video games in your own house would have been so like outlandish and and uh, Orwellian almost. So the the Robo Girl thing is kind of me. <laughs> acknowledging how dependent and how 
um, inseparable I have kind of become from the technology, but not necessarily in a bad way, because as someone who primarily makes digital art, um, technology is, is important. And it's, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, okay. So the, the, what's the screen, um, the statistics come up on my iPad that tell me how long I've spent on my screen that day. And it might be nine or 10 hours, but eight of those hours were spent creating a commission or working on a piece for some something or other so um the dependency on technology i feel is more earned (laughs) for me in that regard um so i think that's where that specific like kind of process came from for that self-portrait as for other self-portraits um i there's something that tells me there's like a voice in my head there's something that tells me like oh this is something I want to work on right now I'm gonna work on a self-portrait series or um I'm going to create a an abstract or a single line self-portrait of myself and the thing is if you look at if you go into a museum if you find an artist that didn't do self-portraits like they're they are the the outlier like all of the mm-hmm. impressionists and all I don't want to say all and then you have uh, an art historian tell you like fact check me and tell you tell me I'm wrong but um but if you go if you were to go into the Louvre like you're going to see self portraits and if yeah. you if you go into the Met in New York or the Philly Museum like they artists do self portraits all the time because it's it's a way of exploring not only a medium, but exploring, like, emotion and and light and and color and things like that without, for one, having to depend on or pay for someone else to sit in for you, which is a big thing. Um, yeah. And, and with digital art, it's a little bit easier because I can ask someone and be like, hey, could I use this photo of you that already exists on the internet? Because we are a society that's very into, you know, photos of ourselves and and things like that. But it's also a way of me expressing something that can't always be... I'm trying to, like, put it into words. It's, it's, It's a way that I express things that can't always be expressed in art of other things. Um... If that may, I know that was like a really roundabout way to say that. Um, when you draw a photo, when you draw a picture of yourself versus drawing a picture of a cactus or uh, a, a still life of apples, so like uh, very classic, you know, things that painters were doing for hundreds of years, um, there is something that is revealed about the artist in creating something of yourself that is not revealed when you create things of other people, other objects, other landscapes, Mm -hmm. um, because you're revealing how you see yourself. That's really pretty. I want to see, I feel like in like five years, I want to see a progression slideshow of all of your (laughs) self-portraits in order and just see like, and just like talk about the journey that you went on and like how these reflect that. Yeah, we would have to start with like, my right, terrible pencil self-portrait I did in my senior year of high school. It's really horrible. Listen, you gotta start somewhere. So um, we've talked at length about some things. I wanted to, uh, I have three works I want you to do rapid fire and just give me, uh, these are um, lighthearted things. They're not very in-depth. Okay. Um, I just want to see what your initial reaction is when I send them to you and what we were doing and why this happened. Okay. Um, I'm going to send them in order. This first one, I just like, this is your typography I was talking about. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Taco. This is uh, Taco. 
Um, I want a taco. I do. I wanted a taco so bad. And this was right after everything started closing because of uh, the COVID-19. And there weren't a lot of places to get tacos. And I was sad about it. Um, And I just thought it would be fun to draw the word taco in the shape of a taco. That's really all there is to that one. And the background just, I want a taco. Yeah. You know what? That's, this is a whole mood. Yeah. And I super, like, I wanted a taco in this moment so badly. And I and will be honest. And you had pizza. I didn't get a taco. I didn't get pizza either when I did the pizza one. You need to stop drawing these, apparently. Oh. <laughs> all right. Next one. Uh, this is a phrase that you say all the time that I have adapted into my vernacular because I love be this shy. phrase. <laughs> <laughs> don't be shy. Reapply. Don't be I... shy. If you have ever met me in your whole life, in my whole life, in anyone's whole life, you will know that I am obsessed with deodorant. I <laughs> I think it's so important to not smell bad. And I, as a perpetually sweaty person, um, deodorant is always with me. I carry it in my purse. I carry it in my backpack. I carry it with me everywhere I go. And I don't care who sees me put it on because it's a totally natural thing. Absolutely. Art is everywhere, even in, under my armpits. Yes, it's ev- it's truly everywhere. Yeah, that was just, a, I was just feeling silly. And I was like, I'm going to illustrate this thing that I say pretty much every day of my whole life. I, I work for the listeners. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. I work a uh, part-time substitute teacher in a K-5 to elementary school. Um, so I have told some of my fourth and fifth graders sometimes who have been like, hey, can I go put on deodorant? I'm like, yeah, don't be shy. Reapply. Yes. I literally had a girl like in the middle of class one time put on deodorant and someone said, ew, they're putting on deodorant. And I was like, don't be shy. Reapply. You go. Thank you. Yes. I don't need to think. I think I did that in every class I was in in high school. I would walk How in the door and I would put deodorant on such a power move it is it's just you know what if someone's gonna smell i don't want it to be me (laughs) right fact all right this last one i'm i know i see i personally i know the backstory behind this and i know who this is for i know what's going on but the listeners if they go and look at your instagram they're like what in the world are these hot dog shoes oh my gosh hot dog shoes (laughs) so one of kyle and my mutual friends um someone i love so very much um is obsessed with hot dogs um to the point where she goes to baseball games on dollar dog night just for the hot dogs (laughs) not for the baseball um and she loves i don't know how many of your listeners are from areas where they have wawa but like wawa hot dogs are her favorite also i'm a vegetarian my entire life i've been a vegetarian i've never had a hot dog but she loves hot dogs um and so i (laughs) took a pair of keds that she had given me she wanted me to paint them she said put anything on them i just want them to be painted and i said oh she just gave it to you and said go hog wild yes she just gave them to me and gave me the freedom to do whatever i wanted which may have been a mistake on her part but now she has hot dog shoes and she's she loves them so i'm i'm pretty pleased with how they came out and they were super fun to do um it felt very like comic book-esque while i was making them okay so that's the end of my art uh that i have to send to you um i have a couple more questions for you i'm glad we went on that wild ride that was the adventure uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the whimsy because you do out, go left field sometimes. I do, but I think it makes it more fun for me and hopefully for other people also. <laughs> I mean, I just love scrolling through and seeing, ooh, this really deep introspective haiku. Look at this feminist piece. It's so smart. Hot dog shoes? <laughs> 
So, you know, you got to have uh, range. It's yes. about It's about range. It is. So I have a couple more questions to wrap this up because we are running low on time. Um, first one I think I know the answer to. Uh, who or what inspires you and why is it your mother? I know. It is my mother. I love her. Um, so my mother is definitely one of the people that inspires me. Um, and that is, I think, in large part because she she is an artist first and foremost that is a huge part of her personality and she has never let that uh let anyone else dim that or make her feel bad about that um mm-hmm. she is one of the only she she's worked in the same school system for like 20 years and she is the only person that dresses in long like flowy skirts and bright green tops and things like that and people have made fun of her people have come to school dressed as her and things like that and she just doesn't let that stop her she wears she has more costume jewelry than anyone i've ever met in my life except maybe like a a store like a Claire's um but she she rocks it and she is so good at color and and pattern mixing and you know she's just like she is a she is a work of art and I love her um but I think on top of that um in people that I don't know that inspire me um I am a huge like Keith Haring fan um I'm a huge Andy Warhol fan um Frida Kahlo people that used color and their lives and the struggles that they were going through to create things that were kind of larger than life um i know ollie has a uh, is a very big keith herring fan yeah. too they have a keith herring tattoo on their wrist i believe i love that um my orthodontist office the had a giant keith herring poster in the waiting room um and so there's a part of me that every time I think of Keith Haring, I think of that poster and like sitting in that waiting room waiting to get my braces tightened, um, which, you know, <laughs> at least there was something good about it was the Such Keith Haring inspira- poster. inspiration. Yeah, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I love, I love those artists. And then um, obviously the, the artists who were creating during like the Impressionist and Post-Impressionist. I love, I love Van Gogh. I love Seurat. Um just the use of color and and the style. I think I would love to be alive in a time when style is shifting so dramatically um, that the whole world takes notice. Mm-hmm. And I think that because the whole world is so connected now, that's really hard um, because everyone is impacting everyone else's creation all the time, whether they know it or not, um, because everything's so accessible to everyone else. So what about outside of artists? Oh, I have to talk about real other people. Um, you're focusing on artists and I'm like, okay, well, what about like everyday people? Everyday people that inspire me. Um, oh my gosh. Michelle Obama. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm you a, know what? I'm a big Michelle fan. I'm inspired by Michelle Obama's biceps. Oh my gosh, yes. I, I, just, I don't know. I think that she is just such a, an eloquent speaker and the and, and I admire her her poise and her uh, dedication to like health and, and body image and things like that. I think that she's fantastic. Um, her biography is literally on my nightstand. Next thing I'm going to read. Um, I you finished... sure it's not propping up the microphone? It is not. No, that is a pile of other other books, mostly fantasy books. <laughs> you wouldn't do that to Michelle. I would not. I would never. Dan Brown, whatever, but not Michelle. 
Um, <laughs> who else inspires me? There are, uh, I would say, a lot of like authors and poets I'm really inspired by. Um, this year, I'm trying to read a book a week, which isn't quite balancing out to be that, but you know, I, not a book a day. Not a book a day. <laughs> um but i'm i'm reading a lot of authors i'll i'll read like a like a game of thrones book and then i will go on a a tangent and read a bunch of plays and books of poetry and and novels by women of color and um and queer people in the 70s and and you know try i i i think that we have to hold ourselves accountable for the type of media that we're consuming because it's so easy to just kind of read a lot of George R.R. R. Martin and that that same kind of person over and over. Um, so I'm trying to hold myself accountable for, for reading authors from all different backgrounds. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like a good, like a finisher, like the last person that inspires me. You don't have to. We I don't have, have to. There's a couple more questions. Okay. I would, I'll, I would say... You, you made a list. I have one more. I have one more. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Um, Akila, obviously, she's a... She, uh, she's, like, a person who does... Um, she did, like, blogs, and she's really um, big on, like, Twitter. Um, and she is amazing and talks about... I don't know her. Yeah, she talks about uh, gender identity and um, racial identity and she just has a lot of really hard conversations in a way that um, I think are available to a lot of different people. And I think that we should not hold women of color to um, the standard that they have to be doing that because it's not their responsibility to make those conversations accessible to everyone. But the people that Mm -hmm. do take that on themselves and like, allow other people into the conversation in a way in an attempt to educate and discuss i think that that is really really admirable that's called emotional labor people if someone doesn't want to give you emotional labor they are not required to it is not their obligation um so what is the the end goal is there an end goal is there a dream that you have in mind what do you want people to take away from your work Tell me your uh, life story my and life, where you want it to go. My life story, where I want to go. Um, I would love to, uh, first of all, I would love to just have a place to keep all of my art things, which I think is just a way of saying I would love to have a studio of some kind. Um, That's fair. Because right now everything is just kind of in my bedroom. Um, if you've ever re- received or ordered a piece of art from me, I probably made it sitting on my bed, even if it was like acrylic paint. Um, and <laughs> I probably um took things from various shelves and and boxes and bins in my room to put it together um so i think i would love to have a studio i would love to be in a city where art is easily accessible um having lived in london for stretches of time being able to just go to museums uh and kind of surround myself with art is is something that i love to do um and then I think that I would love I would love to be a, a a group of like a community of artists, which sounds very like queer co-opy, which you know totally it's my dream goal. Um, 
I would love to live in a communal setting. Like, yeah. can we just move to California? I'll become an actor. You can yeah. live in an art compound and, and make an art studio. Let's just do it. Michaela. It would be so lovely. Um, and I think that just being, I love to surround myself with people who are making. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. to be making the same thing. We don't have to be working on the same projects. But just getting to sit in a room where I can be drawing and someone can be composing or someone can be running lines, things like that, which was very good in like a collegiate setting because that's kind of all everyone was doing all the time. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I think that getting to just surround myself with artists, um, that would be, that would be the dream. Um, I don't know when or how or where those things will happen, but. Okay. So last question I have for you. Um, we are here because it is Pride Week and we are celebrating Pride as a part of a all queer podcast. Um, and you are a queer artist making queer art and you made this wonderful queer pride art for us. We do this, we did this um, last year, we did this, we're doing this year with um, a group of people. Uh, you are separate from them because you get the honor of being in our artist spotlight. You should feel honored, Michaela. I feel so honored. There's so much honor. Good. <laughs> what does pride mean to you? That's such a loaded question, but I I wish I had come up with an answer ahead of time. Um, I think that for me, and I think that pride is a very personal thing, so it's different. Um, every person you ask, I think, should have a different answer. Um, that for me, pride is a an absence of I don't want to say fear, but I feel like fear, um, and fear is a multi kind of sided thing. Um, fear from being exposed, fear from, um, attack, fear from uh, like a, a hiding feeling. I don't know. I think that, that pride is the absence of fear and hiding. Um, that was not as eloquent as I wanted it to be. That's fine. It doesn't have to be. It's a tough question yeah it is and and it it pride feels good um to simplify it down to that it it Mm. pride feels like a place that you belong oh if that makes a little compound we're gonna have yeah exactly it's a pride we can name it we're all gays are lions in a pride together that's my that's what i'm getting from this oh wait that's actually if no one's said that before you should get it copyrighted that's really good just make it art please okay i'll work on it and quote me it'll be next next um, year we'll have that ready yeah. for next year just be a lion with a rainbow mane and just say pride um so where can people find you on the internet so you can find me on instagram at doodle all day uh, i'm also on facebook um if you look up m.simon that's the page or you could also just look up doodle all day and i'll pop up um and then from either of those i have a website that's a long url because i'm poor and don't pay for one so you can find my website through either instagram <laughs> or facebook <laughs> And you are available for commissions. I or am. You could get prints of the art you've already done, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Can... Anything on my Instagram um, that you like, um, or if you see something and you would like something similar, if you just reach out, DM me, um, then I would be happy to get some of my art into your home. And on the record for the listeners, Michaela is a wonderful artist to work with. I am being object, not, I'm being unbiased here <laughs> because I would message her 
with ideas for our so we were working on our pride album art and i was like here's the idea and she messaged me like six options and i was like all right this this we like this we want to add blah blah blah. 10 minutes later six more options okay what about this okay let's go back and forth okay five minutes later here's eight more options uh this one's completely different colors uh this one is different outlines i'm like how what are you doing how fast i just i you know what i like to give all of my commissioners is that what they're customers i like to give all of my customers my undivided attention because it is a job and it is a business and right now it's the only one that i have so i'm really <laughs> i'm really here for that good customer service thank you michaela thank you kyle for everyone listening go check out michaela give her your money buy some art <laughs> it's really wonderful and stay tuned for more wonderful pride content this week we have so much happening i can't remember what's happening right now because there's so much happening and i'm overwhelmed we love it but we're getting through it together happy pride everybody happy pride Yeah, I got it. It's an interview. I can't just be like, hey, I love you. That's it. That's the whole podcast. I would love that. I love you. Oh, okay. Podcast over. Yay. That's it, Sam.